Hey, Kayana here. Again, I really hope that you have been enjoying this podcast so far, as of course I really enjoy bringing it to you. Now, episode 2.7, and that was the very last full episode that you heard, was the completion of book two, novella two, or if it were a TV series, it would have been episode two of that. With this global crisis, we've all been affected and all of us in different ways. Now, personally, things have been quite hard for me financially, as I am a small business owner who has made money through artistic gig work over the past few years, which is a double-edged sword. Sure, it allows me the opportunity to work on my art more consistently, but it's subject to the whims of people who need you when they need you, and when they don't need you, then they don't need you. Hence, no income for you. This is especially difficult for me right now as I'm trying to get the next novella, that's episode two of the series, out to you. It was supposed to come out April 2020, but considering everything that's happening, I've had to delay its release. However, I will be making it available to you digitally on our website of musicandmen.com within the next few weeks. I'll let you know here where you can get it. But of course, members of our Patreon club get it free and early as part of their membership. If you're not a patron but would like to become one, and honestly, doing so really helps me to make this show every week, you can learn more about it at patreon.com slash ofmusicandmen. And of course, there's more information on that on our website. Anyway, I must take a brief hiatus for the next few weeks to get my mind right and get resources straight, honestly, in order to continue producing this podcast. But don't worry. I'm still going to release shows. It just won't be proper episodes from the story like you're normally used to. I'll be giving you a few Q&As and talks about the project just to, you know, keep you in the loop. Since I am doing this project completely alone, I have to turn my attention to some other aspects of it that I simply haven't been able to focus on whilst I was focused on the art. Namely, trying to figure out how to grow the audience. I have no idea how to do that. (laughs) Anyway, um, here's part two of a recent interview that I did with the chief operator of Sovereign Noir Publication, who, incidentally will be publishing my next book for you. If you haven't yet, go to ofmusicandmen.com and give us your email address and we'll send you a link to the most recent novella. Thank you and enjoy the show. So I usually write when I feel the need to write, which is often, so I don't get really blocked. I think I've had writer's block before, but I think that's only, like you said, when I feel like I have someone else's deadline, uh, but also because I don't really write that much. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, I anymore. write a lot. Yeah, I write an awful so, lot. So, um, yeah. yeah. I, I only really write, you know, um, blog posts every now and then <laughs> and book reviews. So I don't really have writer's block that much. Yeah. But... I have had reader's block. Have you ever gotten reader's block? Reader's block? Yes. What is that? Basically, it's when you're reading a book, right? But you just can't just can't get into it. Or I know a lot of a lot of our audience <laughs> has to be read piles, but they just hoard books and they just don't really get to it. So basically you want to read something or you have something that you like to read, but you just don't, for some reason, either complete it or even get started reading it. Oh yeah, I do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> now that you explain it, like, yeah, I have that all the time. Like, oh yeah, because there's, you know, sometimes you can be well-intentioned as a reader. Like, yeah, you know, I'm gonna get to that. I am gonna get to that. <laughs> Yes, I'm like I'm looking at my bookshelf. Yeah, it's, a, it's quite a bit of books up there that I'm just like I bought them and I intended to read them because maybe I like the author or whatever the case mm-hmm. may be. But I started reading it, and then it's just like 
I don't even feel like doing this. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> yeah, that's happened before. Um, I'm not going to name any books, but there are quite a few that I bought. And I feel fine the fact that I purchased and supported the writer because I mm-hmm. like them. Right. Um, but yeah, that happens. That happens often. <laughs> oh, same. I have. I just glanced over at my bookshelf. I don't even. I'm so ashamed. <laughs> I think at this point, I'm just a book hoarder. Like, yeah, sometimes you can collect them. For me, like I like for for me though, I, it is uh, mostly the books that I purchase. Even though I thought I would want to read the subject matter, it, it's the books that I purchase to support the writer, mm. whoever that writer may be. Yeah, yeah, I usually get into. I I remember at one point when I was working, uh, in Georgetown, I went to the Amazon bookstore and I was just like, "Hmm, I'm on a self help kick. Let me just buy three or four self help books." And then maybe the next month, hmm, I want to learn more about business ownership. Then the next month, hmm, I want to know about financial management. And so I would just bulk buy books. Um. And then probably read like two or three of them. And then just some of them I would finish and some of them I wouldn't. Um, for example, I have this The Millionaire Next Door book that I read. I had to force myself through it because I, I it was most of the content I already had, you know, been exposed to that information before. But I just I, I pushed through it because, you know, I just. I wanted to feel like <laughs> I finished the book. <laughs> I didn't want to feel like I just got this book and now I don't know what to do with it because I've already read most of this stuff. But I, I pushed through it and I have two other financial books and I'm just like, oh God, now I don't want to read them. But yeah. those, <laughs> those kind of those kind of books feel like it's hard for me to read them cover to cover like a book. I have mm-hmm. to kind of take those on like a textbook. Yeah. And look at the chapters and kind of read it, read some of the chapters based on when I need that information. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to read those kind of books cover to cover. Do you often finish books cover to cover? Depends on the type of book. Um, something like Conversation with God. Yeah. Cover to cover. Shoot. I was reading the, the copyright page. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but. A lot of books, uh, because I do read a lot of books that are nonfiction mm-hmm. or kind of technical in nature. Uh, like, for instance, um, there's a book, The TB12 Method. Like, nerd, nerdy football fans might know what it is. Like, Tom Brady oh, wrote this, me, wrote this right. book. And that was one book, like, I pre-ordered. Like, I'm the biggest Tom Brady fan. Like, I'm going to just go ahead and say it. <laughs> <laughs> is that the one for the Patriots? No, he's a Tampa Bay uh, Buck now. See, I'm, I got to be a Bucks fan now. Oh, you know, I I go where Tom goes. Wow. But anyway, he um, yeah, he just changed. He hasn't played a game for them yet. He just signed like he signed with them back on uh, March twentieth. But anyway, he's really into health and fitness and wellness and those kinds of things. And his book has re- everything from recipes to he has a little bit of like an autobiography in it, but then he also has recipes and he has workout, his workout regimen in it. And it is a, like, I got the hardcover. I pre-ordered it. So I ordered it like months before it came out and it just came to my house when it was released. And that thing is like a textbook. Like the way that it looks, it looks like this tech, like textbooks you would get in college. Oh gosh. And um, yeah, but it's, it's a beautiful book, but no, I didn't read that cover to cover. That was the kind of book I had to like when, when I wanted to make the same avocado ice cream that he eats, because mm-hmm. I did make it and it was good. Avocado um, ice cream. It is delicious. Don't judge it. It's so good. <laughs> like I'm telling you, it's so good. I don't like avocados, but I, but I trust see, your judgment. I, yeah, that's the thing. It doesn't taste like avocados. It's an ingredient that just makes it creamy. Interesting. Um, yeah, it is delicious. But when I made it, yeah, I went to the book, opened it up and made it. Like I'm not re it was it's a recipe book and a fitness book and an autobiography all in one. Oh, wow. He tells you like the kind of like how sleeping, like he talks about everything in this book that's made him that he feels like has contributed to his greatness. Oh wow. And so yeah, that I love that book. I've referred to it several times for different reasons. <laughs> but again, that's not a book you read. At least I didn't read it from cover mm-hmm. to cover. 
um, because it's a textbook type of thing. Mm. And I have a lot of books like that. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Now now I'm interested in this avocado ice cream. So I'm going to write to you. I got to send you the recipe. It's so good. I hope so. Because, you know, I already don't eat too healthy. And so I don't know. We'll see. My mother, my mom will tell you like certain things. I will say I don't. I I can. I'll eat this because Tom Brady eats it. Like I follow. Because <laughs> <laughs> you got to think, Tom Brady has been playing for twenty oh years. Oh my god! Really? So the way that yes, he's been playing for twenty. So he's. So I've been following him. Like you got to think the way that I look at him is like a a small child looking at the hero. Aww. You know what I mean? Like honestly, it really has that kind of. Cause twenty years, that's a long that time ago. Like so it's like of yeah. my life. Oh my Exactly. Gosh. Exactly. So the way that I view people like him and LeBron, it's not, you know, you would think, oh, you're a woman. Like most people are like, oh, you're a woman, you you're looking at them sexually. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, I I've never looked at him or LeBron sexually. I love them so much. But it's really like the kind of love a little kid has for their favorite superhero, you know oh, what I mean? How precious, that is so cute. <laughs> so if I see like LeBron doing something, I'm like, oh, I want to do it because LeBron. Oh my dead. god, that's so adorable. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's funny because certain things that I buy from the store, it really is because it was in Tom Brady's book and he eats it, so therefore. That's so precious. Send me that recipe. I'll try it. I will. It's only because you love Tom Brady so much. (laughs) So moving on ahead, have you ever considered using a pseudonym? Um, I'm not against it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I'll say this: I probably I'm not against it, but it's probably because. I've always written on brand. Mm, mm-hmm. um, and if I've ever decided to, if I ever decide to write off brand, then perhaps. And what I mean by that is um, my first book I wrote, I was really, really young when I wrote my first book. Uh, not when I published it, but just when I thought of the story and started writing it. Um, side note, it is a part of this universe, this of Music and Men universe. So um, Of Music and Men has three female characters. One is, you know, Kenya is the main character and she has two friends that are supporting. But in my first book, that book was from one of those other characters' perspective. It was her story. And they were a lot older. Not a lot. They were several years older than they are in Of Music Mm. and Men. So they were in their 30s um, in that book. Whereas in Of Music and Men, they're in their late 20s. But um, when it (laughs) comes... <laughs> when it comes to uh writing like with that book uh I wrote it, it was it was somewhat on brand like it was me writing a piece of fiction mm-hmm. and then of music and men being published was definitely still on brand it was about young women or young woman or whatever navigating entrepreneurship very on brand right. um part of not write part of writing off brand would probably be me writing something let's say like uh, like horror even though I don't do that or writing mm-hmm. something that's like super sexual which I don't right. really do that like erotica or something like that not to say I, I love erotica right me too but I'm saying <laughs> I mean I don't really read it. I'm saying me if- too I don't really read it but um, <laughs> but I'm saying if I ever felt the need like if I ever wanted to right um, you would definitely use a I probably would because use it's not Typical of your maybe. of your brand, yeah. It's it's a big maybe, and the reason why I think that's a really good question is because when you set up um, your life in a way where people think a certain way about you, like for me, um, gosh, this question can go so deep. Goodness gracious, because <laughs> yeah, like I can be I can be really really transparent, or I can be guarded in the way. That <laughs> so um, it, I think that it's hard for people to accept that Mm. you've grown or that you've changed or whatever. Mm. And I really think that that's probably, that's a part of the reason, like I live in DC. I've always lived in DC. A lot of my friends that I grew up with or that I'm close to, I I don't think any of them live in DC anymore. One of them lives in Boston. One lives in Philly. One lives in New York. One lives in Portland. One lives in Chicago. Like they're everywhere. And part of the, but but the reason why I think that, and one lives in LA, he just texted me the funny thing. So it's like, Part of the reason, 
why I think a lot of times people move away from home is so that they can be who they are. Mm. And I think that for me, and I, you know, and I can admit this, like I said, I can be really transparent or really guarded. I'll admit that being home has not been, it wasn't or isn't a choice. It's more mm-hmm. of a, a matter of me making the best of my circumstance. Mm-hmm. Um, but people, when they move away from home and they become more of who they are, they have the flexibility to spread their wings a little more in being who they are and whatever that may be. Mm. Um, it doesn't have to be sexually or it doesn't have to it just, it doesn't have anything. It doesn't have to have anything to do with anything specific. Right. But anyway, I'm saying all that to say that me constantly being surrounded by people like my grandmother passed away in 2010, but to this, you know, she was mm. here to that point. She has a certain perspective. I still live with my mom and she has a certain perspective or certain idea of who I am. Right. And so when you are constantly surrounded by people who have a a mixture of expectation and have an, an, a mixture of um, just sort of their own uh, perspective, their own version of you. Right. you. You conform to that more mm-hmm. than you know you do. Yep. And I do believe that, you know, at a certain point, we all do need to leave home. Like we don't need to be home. Even if we come back home, I think that there's a benefit in not being home. Oh yeah. And so for me, um, it has been a hundred percent financial while I, ha- why I have not left home, mm-hmm. but part of being home has affected probably every aspect of my life, including my writing. Mm-hmm. And so I write on a certain brand uh, and I can admit this, like I write a certain brand of, of, of story, um, mostly with, a, I'll just use of music and men, for example, that is very, uh, that respects their vision of who I am. Mm. It doesn't disrespect my own vision. Like it doesn't go against my own vision because it is still a part of me. Right. But if I, let's say if I were living in New York the last 10 years, would my writing be the same? Uh, absolutely not. Oh, because my experiences, (laughs) (laughs) and and I'm just using New York as an example, but my experiences would therefore be completely different. Different, right? You can't bring a dude home and you got you know certain people are at home. It's just it's just certain things you just can't and won't do. Exactly because of your circumstance, you know, just because Mm -hmm. of 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 everything around your circumstance. So again, that's why I kind of was tiptoeing into answering this question. Is sort of like. I don't know about the pseudonym thing. I, you know, if I, let's say if I were living in New York or somewhere for the last 10 years, maybe I would be more comfortable with talking about certain things. And mm. I, and I still probably wouldn't use a pseudonym because then I would be more comfortable with um, who you are. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, versus again, now still having a level of guardedness to mm. what I write. Um, because I know that, you know, like like with my podcast, for instance, I know that there's a chance my mother, gonna, you know, she's going to tune in. And it's certain things you just don't want your mother to hear you say. I don't yeah. care how old you oh are. Oh, my gosh. You're like, Mom, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I but that. I will say that it's I still I still am honest. Like, you know, it, it is still honest, but it's just not telling the whole story all mm-hmm. the time um, with with certain aspects of writing. So. Yeah, <laughs> I like I like that answer, and thank you for that transparency. Um, I know that a lot of the the audience will be able to relate. Mm-hmm. I know that when I lived with my mother, it was just like, <laughs> right. <laughs> I grew up there, went off to college, came back, and I was like, oh god, this is not going to work. I left, came back, and I was like, oh god, this is not going to work. Yeah. And so here I am. <laughs> <laughs> And you, you do learn a lot about yourself once you leave home. And, right. and that's one of the, you know, one of one of those types of journeys I feel like everybody should experience, uh, like you said. And with that being said, I know that you talked about sharing a part of your uh, self and identity with your work. And I know before that you talked about knowing yourself enough as a writer to know what your battles are and what content you like to write. So I want to ask you, you know, just for the sake of having this question, do you, after that uh, literary pilgrimage, (laughs) do you try to more be original? Do you still maintain that uh, 
original ideology, the original concept of your work, or do you want to deliver readers what they want, or even a combination of both? Um, I believe that there there is always a balance with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my knee jerk is I tr- my goal is to be as true and original to the stories that I want to tell. Um, for instance, with of music and men, it is true and original to the story I want to tell, mostly from Kenya's perspective. Um, you know, it does talk about her her dating life, or or lack thereof. <laughs> It does go into that a lot. It goes into her overwhelming, uh, uh, just how involved and how personal she takes her business mm-hmm. and the artists that she wants to help and how how much she loves them and how she just will do anything to make sure that they are successful. So all of that is true. And, and I believe that there's great, with those obstacles, because writing is really taking people through a journey of obstacles. Mm-hmm. And the more fantastic the obstacles, the better the story, the better the characters. And so in doing that with Kenya, yeah, it's, it's definitely very original in the approach. But then I take some liberties with the supporting characters. Mm-hmm. So for instance, with the two, I'll just use on the personal side, because um, she deals with two, she has her two artists on her business side. And then on her personal side, she has her two female friends that she didn't necessarily grow up with them. She, she, uh, well, I won't give too much backstory on them, but she's known them for more of her life than she hasn't known them, I'll say. Mm. And they, the two of them are drastically different. Kenya might be the moderate of the two. You have one who's very, who comes from very old money. She's very, more or less conservative, but she's not, she's probably liberal socially. But mm-hmm. but fiscally, and I fiscally meaning money, fiscally conservative. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but then you have one who is more, uh, she's more liberal in everything. She's very like Jay. The, the, Jay's the other character, one who my first book is about. She's She dates a lot. And I'm using the word date with extremely <laughs> thick air quotes. <laughs> but she has <laughs> her relationship her relationships with men are storied to say, the, to say the least. Whereas the one that was more conservative was a person who was married. And, and now when we meet her, she's going through a divorce mm. and she's barely 30. Uh, I think when we meet her, she's just turned, she's maybe 30 in three months or something crazy like that. But she's in the middle of a divorce, something, you know, mm. with her conservative background, you know, she married early and that that's not something that she anticipated. Mm-hmm. So when you, you can take some liberties to give readers what they want because with Jay, um, people fell in love with her in the first book because of her lifestyle. A lot of women, if if they if they're not um, sexually positive, they can't deny that they probably would want to be mm-hmm. more sex positive, um, more sexually liberated, if that makes sense. Uh, and she is definitely that. So we get to live vicariously through her experiences Mm. because these and these are based on not necessarily one person but these characters are based in part on people that I know so some of my female friends um (laughs) that I've had (laughs) so you know since starting this journey with I'm sure you're not going to drop any name no 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 nothing like that I mean they wouldn't care anyway but it's just that I take, yeah, I'll just put it this way. Many of many of Kenya's experiences are extremely personal to me and therefore original mm-hmm. to me. But then giving readers what they want, we do want to see women have other experiences. Right. Kenya's experiences with dating aren't the most exciting. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't have the most, like she goes out with dudes, but it's not because she's a very unique girl. Like she's not going to click well with everybody every kind right. of dude yeah um she just has different different wants different different expectations and things like that she's just different you know she's kind of tomboy whatever whatever that means mm. she's kind of she's she's a little different so we give people what they want in the other characters and so when it comes to someone like ty we have the one that's a little bit more conservative the one that believes mm-hmm. in marriage before sex that kind of thing the, the, you know the one who generally speaking kind of has more of that type of background who has 
values. She she's the kind of person who lives her whole life on what she thinks she should. Mm, there goes that word. Um, yeah, and I'm and I use that word on purpose because it's the it's the shooting mm-hmm. of everything. <laughs> she she shoulds herself to death. Um, and so we get to see how she grows either into that or away from it or a mixture mm-hmm. of the two. You know, it's all about self-discovery. But then we have someone like Jay, who again is a little bit more liberal and liberated in every aspect of her life and who's very comfortable and confident, mm-hmm. but she's not without her own flaws. And she, she's definitely not without her own journey of having come from a certain place, mm-hmm. having had certain negative experiences that has, that have shaped who she is and why she's the way she is. But she's probably of the three, the most comfortable and confident in who she is. And so I wanted to respect women uh, who are that way because I don't, you know, when it comes to like people who are, I have so many different kinds of friends mm. and judge none of them. And so it's like people who are sex workers or people, not that she's a sex worker, but just saying people who come from, who, who make their money and right. living that kind of way. Mm-hmm. We're going to have, we're going to have, um, all of these kinds of different versatile experiences within of music and men okay. as an episodic piece. We're going to show all these different kinds of people that other people, people like people that come from a background like Ty might judge people because they feel like there's a heaven and a hell and that some people are going to go to heaven if they live a certain way. And some people are going to go to hell or have a better chance of going to hell or going to live a certain way. And part of my mission with this is to show that that's that I don't me personally, but then through the characters that that's, you can't put people into boxes that way. Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah. So through Jay, we get to see certain experiences that we wouldn't otherwise see. And then, of course, through Ty, we have to respect that side, too. And we're going to get experiences that we wouldn't otherwise see. Yeah. So, yeah. So we get originality, again, to answer it, originality for myself personally through Kenya. But then, um, again, we get, we're definitely giving readers what they want. Because it's fun and it's funny to <laughs> see the things that Jay goes through. And she puts herself in these crazy situations. I love um, it. And so, and the same thing with Ty is sometimes we're going to see something like she's a 30 year old woman who has never had to drive. So she doesn't have a driver's license. So there's a, <gasps> there's a whole storyline. Like something so simple becomes an existential crisis for her. It's so crazy. She, <laughs> it becomes, a, you know, we have an episode where that's not the whole episode, but just for her story arc in that episode, she's realizes that, she hasn't taken that initiative in her life, that control that she could have over that one small thing. It's a mm. level of control that she has never even embarked on. Just, just getting your driver's license because she's very privileged and she's never had to drive. That's true. And so, yeah. So anyway, yeah. It's, it's wow. Like- <laughs> I never thought of it like that. I literally, my sister and I, my sister is four years younger than, no, wait, wow. She's six years under than me. But we both got our driver's licenses about three years ago. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean, because we've been in the city our whole lives, but like. Well, hers was because she, when she was growing up, they had drivers. Well. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, well, she, growing up, we provided her with Ubers and stuff. So like, I guess that's, I mean, I could see a little bit of myself in that, but that's crazy. And I could see myself in other characters as well. So I think staying true to your, originality with Kenya and then making sure that you have a variety of different uh, women with different values and different upbringings. I think that we'll be able to see a little bit of ourselves in, in at least two of these characters. But, but one thing I want to say also on that is sometimes, you know, when you say, do, am I more original or deliver, you know, readers or viewers in some cases, or listeners, what they want. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I, I don't always think that people know what they want. And mm. so it's sort of like sometimes when you ever been hungry, and you're like, I am hungry. And, and, have, I, and I have, don't know and what you, you, you don't know what you want to eat. And somebody's like, you want pizza? You're like, no, I'm not no. really in a mood. I mean, like if you, like if you, you want, have a taste for something, right. but you just you, ha- you want something, you want to be satiated, but you don't quite know what you want. And mm. I think that sometimes we can get to a point where we're, hungry for something and when we get anything we accept it because for instance there's i'm not going to name any names but there is a popular tv show that i've used this analogy with there's a popular tv show out right now and to me and many of the my writer friends that i know who have watched the show or do watch it it's not very good 
It's not a very good show. Oh, I want to know what show but, you're um, talking about. I'll tell you off the off the mic, but it's it's not very good at all. But because when it came out, it filled a void for its particular target demo who was mm-hmm. so hungry for this content because nobody on TV it 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 didn't it it filled a void. It definitely filled a void. And these people, like the audience, continuously to this day still support this show. Mm. And it's not very good. And so I have quite a few shows in yeah, mind. Yeah, it's it you, you probably <laughs> could have quite a few shows in mind. That, that, that when you get down to it, it's just not very good. But mm-hmm. because the uh, the audience they they didn't know what they wanted, they knew that they were hungry. You gave them something. And they were like, okay, I'm not hungry anymore. You know what I mean? Like they, mm-hmm. even though they weren't it's like satiated, they settled for it. Right. They weren't satiated, but because you get you entertained the fact that they were hungry and gave them food, then they were like, okay, I'll accept this food. And you know what? I'll mm-hmm. even like this food, even though it's not very good. <laughs> you know, I've had better, but yes, I'll, I'll I've had better. Because, <laughs> because trust me, when I tell you what the show is, there are in the demographic that it targets. There have been shows in the in the distant past that have targeted the same people, and those shows were very good. Mm-hmm. And so, like this, yeah, it, it's like that. That audience was just so hungry, and mm-hmm. and we gave them any, we gave them something, and they accepted it, and they like it. <laughs> so, and so that's that's one of those things where it's like you know sometimes you do have to truly truly write from the heart because mm-hmm. people don't know what they want and so, so you may hit you may strike gold you may have something you've written from your heart give it to them and they're like you know what that's what i wanted oh my god that hit the spot like that mm-hmm. is what i wanted and i didn't know i wanted that i couldn't have told you that if if you gave me a bunch of menus, I might not have even picked that. But mm. now that I have it, oh yes, that that satiated my hunger right there. So hopefully, if Music and Men will do that, <laughs> for so I feel like I feel like it will. I know that when I first read it, I was like, oh wow, you know, it's a, it's good, it's really good. I don't think that I've read anything quite as I want to say intentional. It's funny. Um, it's, I mean, I love the existentialism of it. I keep saying that, and y'all are going to understand when y'all buy this book. You're going to the understand the questions that it asks you <laughs> that the main character is going through, and she poses these questions. Um, you know, like in the in the book that's coming out, in nothing but a number, and she says, you know, in my ripe age of old enough to know better but too young to care, mm-hmm. you know. She's starting to learn that age is something that is life's way of counting you in or counting you out. And you have Mm -hmm. to decide what, you know, which one is it? As you get older, do you feel yourself being counted out or do you feel yourself getting better? And you Mm. you know what I mean? So it's like little stuff like that. that Are you fine like aged wine (laughs) or are you like a decaying fruit? Like, what are you? What do you, which one is exactly. it? <laughs> and why do you feel that way? Right. And what are you doing to stop from stopping from feeling that way or continuing to feel that way? It's just like one of the questions that leads to more questions. Right, right. And I, I really like that. I really like that it compels you to think. It's not like many fiction novels in that it does that. What the, the conversations that I think that it provokes are are something more so on the line of, more like as you say more spiritual things or more self-help um non-fiction works but this 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 is exciting because it's in a, a fiction novel like it's <laughs> <laughs> and eventually hopefully like a tv show a tv so like i know. i love it like it is it is dope I appreciate dope it. appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you for blessing us with this uh <laughs> with this series like for real um with that being said i i do appreciate uh your ability to i want to say feel on a spiritual and emotional level mm-hmm. i know that most of the writers that i've encountered have felt some sort of emotional tie to their work um but I want to ask you, do you think that someone could be a good writer if they don't feel emotions 
well, whether they feel emotions or if they don't feel any emotional ties to their work. I don't think we all have to be empaths in order mm-hmm. to <laughs> in order to be a good writer because and and I probably wouldn't be able to answer this if I wasn't also a screenwriter. Mm-hmm. Um so anyway, the answer, the the short answer is yes. I do believe that some people can be great writers without being, you know, emo without being empaths or without feeling emotion strongly. But the reason mm-hmm. is because um, in screenwriting, you you know and you study about plot-driven movies and character-driven movies. Now, I'm a character-driven person, so it's imperative that I be a person who is empathetic and that is compassionate because then I can write characters with a certain dimension to them mm. where you, and not just main characters, I mean involving um, supporting characters or even you know, characters that come in for one very small storyline or very small scene or something like that. And they have dimension to them as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, I have friends who are screenwriters and they are, they focus more on plot driven movies. Now plot driven movies or plot driven stories are ones where it's not in a particular genre, even though some genres lean more to plot than right. they do characters. So when you think of like a drama, most dramas is they're hard to summarize something like manchester by the sea i know that you know everybody doesn't know movies but if you google something like manchester by the sea or something like that i love that movie for some reason but it's hard for me to (laughs) it's hard for me to describe in 30 words or less what that movie is about i mean i could but it's more so about a man's journey to uh take care of his nephew after his brother died. Now that doesn't even sound interesting. Like he has to return to his old, his, um, his hometown that has very bad memories. Like he Mm. left his hometown for a reason and he has to come back because his brother died and he has to take care of that brother's, his nephew, his, that brother's Mm. son. And so that's the whole movie. Mm. But when you see the movie, it is like, Casey Affleck won, I believe he won the Oscar for that, his role in that. The movie oh, wow. is beautiful, but ugly at the same time because it's it's in a gritty town of Manchester, by literally by the sea. <laughs> but um Figured so, that. <laughs> exactly, right? Like <laughs> Manchester by the mountain. Voila, it's by the sea though. But um, no, but that I love that movie so much. And it's just like it's one of those movies that really, really, really focuses on what's going on inside a person. Like what is, what he's thinking, how he's feeling. It was imperative that he be a great actor to pull off some of these things. Cause he had to wear so many of the emotions on his face mm-hmm. and in his body language. So those are the kind of movies I write, <laughs> you know, like that's the kind of stuff. But then when you think of something like, you know, the Notebook, uh, Jur- Jurassic Park, Oh no, I'm saying that's, that's, plot driven the whole thing right, you don't even right, you, right. anybody could have played in that movie but you it's about this park it's about all these things outside of people and of course it does so have some those movies huh it's just so much in those movies i mean actually a lot of action movies deal with the action yeah um, that's why they but... call them action it's like the car exploded all of those are more important it's not just a man walking around his hometown looking sad you know what i mean and then, <laughs> but we know why like honestly, that's I love that kind of stuff. Like Kenya in *A Music of Men*, she's just a girl going around—not just, but she's a girl going around DC, having these different experiences right, in business right, right. and in dating. But it depends heavily on how she thinks and who she is as a mm-hmm. person. But if this was something totally different, like a right. race car, like like Kenya has to uh, figure out how to build a race car in DC before you know the end of the year or something like that. you know like something dealing with a pl- like some weird plot what is a weird plot <laughs> you know then it might not it might not depend so much on the her past right. experiences as a you know uh uh existential woman but more so on her on the plot like who's the antagonist will she have anybody to race against and all this kind of stuff you know and so anyway i i have friends who they don't put a lot of emotion Mm -hmm. into their characters because their thought their thought process is how can I create this really cool world that really cool things happen in Mm. and the people just kind of play a role in that world whereas with me I'm creating people and they could live anywhere but you know I may choose a certain place and then I give that place some dimension Mm -hmm. because DC plays just as much of a role in a music and men as Kenya does Mm. 
because it couldn't really have taken place. Would it be that more, much more exciting if Kenya was in New York? It wouldn't be that. It wouldn't be that exciting because we expect girls in New York to start record companies. Yeah, that's but true. we don't expect girls in DC down the street from the White House to start a record company in the wrong. You you are literally in the wrong place for this. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> so that's part of that is what makes go you know, go her what? journey. <laughs> part of that is what makes her journey a little unique. Whereas again, if she was in Nashville or you know, that would, would be like, it would make sense. Right. It would make total sense that that's where she was and starting to, you know, she probably would start a country record label or something. If she was in Atlanta, she probably would start like some, you know, trap record label. <laughs> but my point is that, you know, she didn't start a go-go record label and, and <laughs> she started a, a normal record label and she's in this place. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. So anyway, it it's, you don't have to be like overly emotional to actually write good stuff. It just depends on what the stuff is. I don't think people who write a lot of horror movies are necessarily like in their feelings the whole time. They're just trying to scare you. Yeah. Um, give you something to think about. Some of the better ones give you something to think about, but they also still trying to scare you at the end of the day. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I vibe with that. I, 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 I agree with that. I agree with that. <laughs> different strokes with different folks. Exactly. Now, we've talked about literary pilgrimages. We've talked about writing both energizing and exhausting you. We even talked a little bit about Reader's Block and your intriguing relationship with possibly having a pseudonym. I have one final question for you. And that question is, what other authors are you friends with and if you are friends with other authors or screenwriters in your case, <laughs> how do they help you become a better writer? I was just about to say, I don't, I don't have many friends who are authors, but I do in the screenwriting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. See, that's why um, I switched it up for you. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> way more engaged in the screenwriting community, especially like on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great, screenwriting community uh, on Twitter. Not so much because I consider myself, I, t- I think I told you, I kind of cringe at even calling myself author. I usually will say other words like writer or storyteller mm-hmm. because author just has a connotation that I respect authorship and I just feel like I'm not an author. <laughs> and, and I know that that, sound, that probably sounds weird to people, but it's a, it's a title that I kind of I don't know. Just kind of don't like to give myself, but I am a storyteller because I use so many different mediums mm-hmm. to do it. But anyway, to answer your question, um, I won't name, I won't say any specific names, but when you read other people's screenplays, um, sometimes you can get a lot from their screenplays as far as like how they decide, oh, she decided to do it this way. Okay. I wouldn't have done it that way, but I see why she, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I see why she did it this way. Mm-hmm. So I think with, particularly with write, with screenwriting, a lot of it comes from reading other people's material, especially when they have uh, taken it from screen, I mean, from script to screen. Mm-hmm. That's actually helpful as well, because then you can look at the script and see what actually made it onto the screen or how it changed before it, you know, after it got to the screen, how it, how they had to make changes for whatever reason. And sometimes when you know the writer, they'll say, well, in my mind, I wanted to do it this way, but we didn't have the money to do it this way. So we had to make some concessions, (laughs) you know, we had to do it, you know, a, a different way because you know, in order to shoot a car chase, we we would have needed a certain amount of money and, oh, and insurance. Yeah. And so we just decided to do something else. And you say, okay. So it, it w- what's really helpful um, when it comes to screenwriters, to knowing screenwriters, especially ones that are producing, actually producing the material and not just writing, is seeing the entire process. Mm. So you get a better understanding of budget, like your, like mentally, you get a better understanding of uh, and this is probably boring to people who do, who are not even screenwriters, but because with books, you don't necessarily have to consider what you can't write because you can't pull it off because they're just words. I mean, not just, but it's, they're words on a page. You can write whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Whereas with screenwriting, um, some screenwriters are going to sell their screenplay to a studio who may invest $50 million in it, or some of them may try to pull it off themselves and, and crowdfund $50,000 mm. to do a script which is, you know, 50,000 is not a lot of money. So they may crowdfund it 
and do theirs, uh, do their own movie. And, you know, you just get to see that process from beginning to end and how things may change or how they may become better mm. um, once they get into more of a collaborative uh, environment where photography plays a role, actors play a role, um, lighting plays a role, music, post-production, all of that kind of stuff plays a role. So, yeah, it's it's, you know, that's kind of a hard question to ask because, uh, <laughs> I mean, a hard question to answer. Simply because um, everything contributes to, I feel like every experience, and I'm not just saying this, like literally everything contributes to being a better writer if you want. Mm. Um, you could be, you know, I don't want to be like this type of person that overlooks any experience and say, oh, that was, that was nonsense. Mm. Like really reading other people's material, watching movies, talking with other writers, all of that helps with strengthening you know, how you can move forward with something, um, that you techniques that you can input in your writing. So it's, you know, I like that. answer. It's always helpful. I like that answer. It goes back to you saying, uh, well, I don't know if it'll exactly go back to you saying it, but I remember earlier you, we were talking about how the universe just basically gives us what we need. So, um, making sure that you take advantage of every opportunity to, learn something from it or take something away from it. I think that, I think that's beautiful. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) I think that that is something that both screenwriters and authors should take um, into consideration. Um, Studying your peers, working alongside your peers, asking questions, um, and even just supporting them by, you know, looking over their scripts. Well, well, we call them scripts too, but looking over manuscripts yeah. <laughs> um, and seeing how they went from the very beginning to the very end um, of their process, you know, those are the sorts of things that not only support other writers, but also better you, you know, better you, better yourself, <laughs> improve yourself as a, as a writer. <laughs> right. But yes, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And I appreciate that, that answer a lot because that coincides with my values as well and my beliefs. Yeah. So, Kayana, tell us, where can we connect with you on social media, on email, in person? What's the 411? Well, everything is on my website. <laughs> everything, every every connection to social media is on my website at kayanaebonybrown.com. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, for music and men, you can go to ofmusicandmen.com. Very simple. So for yep. So for <laughs> for of music and men, the handle for that on every social media. Uh, account is at of music and men so the little at sign and then of music and men now for me personally uh for facebook and for instagram it's kayana ebony brown so it's at kayana ebony brown you know facebook slash and instagram but for twitter that was a little too long for them they have a character (laughs) (laughs) thing you can't go over character restriction (laughs) restriction right and it would you know it would have held me up so it's i am kayana on twitter so twitter.com slash i am kayana and you can find me there so yeah but anything that you need to know about the podcast you can find on the website for music and men at of music and and the podcast is available everywhere like we mentioned everywhere everywhere pretty much every major one everywhere. somebody's gonna find a little obscure one and say well it's not it's on not on doodle, doodle. FM. Doodle Daddle FM, right. Okay. No, wow. no, it's on Spotify, <laughs> Apple, Stitcher, those kinds of outlets. And those so outlets are free. So there's literally no excuse. Literally no excuse. <laughs> literally no excuse. This has <laughs> been a pleasure, a ball. It's also been almost two hours, but. Jeez, you talk. <laughs> <laughs> But the time flew by so very quickly. Um, is there anything else that you would like our listeners to know? Um, any parting words? Nope. 
<laughs> I felt like I knew you were going to say that. I felt like I knew you were going to say that. Probably, I don't know. Like I feel like I feel like we've been we've been going for a minute, so I'm I'm pretty grateful for if anyone who's like stayed the whole time to listen to me. I'm I'm just appreciative. I don't ask for too much, so yeah. This is this has been good stuff. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. I enjoy I enjoyed the crowdcast that we did, which had completely different questions, <laughs> um, taking me off guard and stuff. <laughs> so then, you know, when it comes to this, I appreciate it because these are these are these questions really do help me to think about things in a way that, you know, as writers, we can be a little reclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm technically an extrovert, <laughs> but like ENFP, like I'm an ENFP, seriously, technically. Mm. But I tell you, as a writer, you can be so reclusive. Not you, me. I can be so reclusive and just go into my designated area of the house and just write my heart out. And so <laughs> these um these have been opportunities. These uh, interviews and talks and discussions have been great opportunities because I do love talking about of music and men. Yes. I love this story and I want other people to love it. I hope they get find value in it and I hope it helps them in their lives. Yes. Asking asking themselves, you know, these difficult questions. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> Come through with the difficult questions. But seriously folks, <laughs> this is definitely um it's been wonderful having Kayana on here. And it's also been very wonderful um, understanding her experience, learning a little bit about um, her perspective on ego and what her writing kryptonite is. And even uh, as far as what she's learned from other screenwriters and authors. So this has been fantastic. Again, follow Kayana uh, and of Music of Men. Um, because they're both fantastic. Did I say of music of men? Of music and men. My bad, (laughs) y'all. But um, we truly appreciate you sticking around and listening. Remember, take care of yourselves and take care of the people that you love. We have some more coming up for you in the following weeks that'll just give you some more insight about the project, where it's going, because we have some exciting things on the docket, and... Please stay tuned for the release of episode two of the novella series. And as I mentioned, you can learn more about that on our website at ofmusicandmen.com. And of course, if you're a patron, you can look out for that uh, because you will be getting it as a part of your membership, the digital version of that. So patrons are fortunate in that way. But if you're not a patron, you can go to patreon.com slash ofmusicandmen and sign up to be a patron. To learn more about the artists that were featured on this episode, just a couple of songs, uh, you can check that out in our show notes. And there will be links to their material right there in the show notes. So check that out. See you next week. <laughs>